Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Stacy and welcome to the Hockey Minds Podcast. This podcast is powered by My Hockey Resource and Instat, the leader in video and data analysis. Instat Hockey supports all levels of our game worldwide with video breakdowns and or scouting services. For more information, visit Instat on the web at instatsport.com or on Twitter at Instat Hockey. Today I'm joined by Connor Cataret, assistant coach with the Stouffville Spirit. As an up-and-coming coach, Connor has worked from the ground up, progressing through the minor hockey system to the junior position he holds today. As someone who is constantly looking for new ways to learn and share ideas, he presents a lot of useful information for listeners at all levels of the game, so be sure to listen closely as we navigate through the conversation. With that, here is Connor Cataret, assistant coach with the Stouffville Spirit. Today we're joined by Connor Cataret, assistant coach with the Stouffville Spirit. Connor, thanks for joining the podcast. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Yeah, I know we just talked a little bit beforehand about your uh, unique path and uh, very different than some of the guests we've had and a little bit of a different road through minor hockey, but I think there's a number of great takeaways, so let's dive right into it. Uh, sure. Tell us a little bit about yourself, including where you grew up, and then speak to your involvement in sports throughout your youth. Yeah, so um, I'm 27 years old. Uh, I lived in Stouffville, Ontario my whole life. Um, I was really lucky that that sports were always a big part of my life. Um, I mean, ever since I can remember. And, and I grew up in a really athletic family. Um, my dad was a really good hockey player, or so he tells me. Um, my mom was very athletic, played all kinds of sports with us growing up, kind of taught me how to skate. Um, her dad played in the CFL. He was one of the, the top Canadian quarterbacks of all time. Um, my grandparents on the other side um, were athletic. My grandfather on that side was uh, a great tap dancer. He likes to tell us that. Um, so it, sports were always a part of my life growing up. Um, and I think it taught me a lot of good things. Um, and mainly, we just kind of always competed in our family and, and all the team sports we played. Um, I remember like a, a spelling being grade three where I, I lost. It's like a throwaway spelling bee with 15 kids and I lost and I was just like devastated, like the world had just crumbled. So I think I took it over to the top at times, but uh, it, it was it was definitely an awesome way to grow up. And as far as sports went, um, I think as far back as I can remember, I kind of always just scheduled my my days and week around sports. I would just think about what I was playing that night uh, what I could watch that night. And that kind of kept me grounded and gave me structure. And um, more specifically, I played hockey in Stovall growing up. Um, we only had single A here. So it was kind of single A or triple A. Um, so I played single A growing up uh, and pretty much on the same team from five years old to 17. So I got a ton of good memories, a ton of great friendships from that. Um, and I was lucky enough, we had a really competitive and successful team we won a couple championships um we actually got to go to czech republic in grade nine as a single a team which um looking back i realized how much organization and, and effort and sacrifice that took from the coaches and parents but that was again something i'll never forget so um i played up until grade 12 i went to uh, mcmaster university and kind of made the decision that that was that for competitive hockey um near the end of my first year uh one of my friends that i'd met there was playing junior c in caledonia and kind of told me and my other friend to come out and try out and we ended up making the team so we played uh probably two and a half months there which again was 
a really cool experience for me. And, and luckily uh, I can say I played junior hockey. They don't have to know that it was junior C and I played like 14 games, but um, so that was fun. Um, but it was always just sports uh, growing up my whole life. And Stovall's a great uh, small town we're growing now, but um, I mean, I still, every time I go out in town, I see someone I know and it's, it's really cool that how they can kind of galvanize around uh, our youth sports and, and the Stovall hockey community and all the other sports communities. But um, yeah, I learned a ton of lessons growing up. Um, I mean, mainly how to be part of a team, how to sacrifice, uh, but sports have always been and, and I hope they'll always be a part of my life. Yeah, it sounds like you had a great experience with sports and to be able to go to Czech Republic with an A team, uh, not very many people can say they've done that, but uh, yeah. you know, another experience to add and uh, being with a team for that long, you definitely grow those friendships and I'm sure a lot of them uh, are still with you today and things like that, but uh, sport was evident in your life early on and it has continued to be. So your first uh, listed coaching role was with a major PBAA team in the White Church, Stouffville area. Uh, talk about that very first experience with that team and what you learned during that season. Yeah, so after I graduated from uh, McMaster, uh, I kind of wanted to just get into coaching um, in Stouffville just to kind of give back, uh, mainly because of the positive experience as I did have growing up. Um, so I kind of got my coaching stuff. I reached out to the association and just asked if any teams needed help. Um, and luckily I got placed with, uh, with this team, the 2004 age group. Um, and yeah, that first year, I mean, I have written about it, but the first practice, like that's probably the most nervous I've been going on the ice. Um, and it was with a bunch of 13 year olds. Um, and I was probably just going to be pushing pucks around, but, uh, I hold myself to a really high standard. So I, I wanted to be prepared and it was a new experience but that first team was I, I got super lucky to be placed with that team and they had some good coaches in place to kind of uh taught me the ins and outs of not just coaching but kind of handling the other sides that uh, you don't really see as a player and and the parents were were amazing too and I was lucky to be able to stick with that team for a while but uh the first experience there there's really nothing like it and I was lucky that I got four years with that group so we kind of group together but um I mean you get breaks along the way and it'd be weird to say that like that was something that kind of set me on the path to to making this career but I'm not sure if I got placed with a different group of uh players or people or or families that um my passion kind of would have ignited as much as it had but that first year was a lot of fun and we, we started I mean they had a lot to learn it was it was kind of shinny hockey at the start and um they, we added some little things and, and over the four years I was with them, I mean, they, they turned into some, some incredibly special hockey players. Yeah. I think it's uh, important to note that, you know, a lot of times as successful as coaches are, it really depends on the players and their, their willingness to learn and, you know, kind of let you do your thing. And we've had other guests, even guests in OHL and other leagues, and they talked about that same thing. You know, they wouldn't be where they were if not for being put with this certain group of players or having this player vouch for them in this meeting and things like that. So uh, that's a great point to make, but interesting to hear the first experiences in anything. Uh, it's one of my favorite parts of the podcast. So interesting to hear uh, the nerves, even, you know, like you said, you might've just been pushing around pucks, but I'm sure a lot of coaches can relate. So you uh, would stay with that team and have some coaching experiences for the next couple of years. Uh, just talk about the experiences in Stouffville coaching at Monarch Hockey and then uh, even the experience of winning an OMHA championship. Yeah, so it was the 2004 AA uh, Stovall Clippers. So the first two years, I was an assistant coach. Um, like I said, I, I learned a lot, um, a lot that I didn't see as a player and a lot of stuff that coaches deal with that you don't realize as a player, especially as a minor hockey player. Um, so that was good to get that experience. And then um, I took over as head coach for the last two years for uh, Major Bantam and Minor Midget, um, which it definitely helped that I was an assistant coach before. Like I said, I got to know the players, establish some relationships and trust, and especially the families. Um, it takes a while to kind of get the parents to uh, trust you, especially with me not having any experience. So that, that definitely helped in my transition to the head coach. But um, over the last two years, I mean, my, my passion for coaching just kind of turned into a, an obsession and it was just um, like all I could think about. Uh, and I was really lucky, like I said before, um, I got placed with an amazing team with 
some incredibly talented players for the double A level. Um, and they were open to being taught things, trying new things, being coached. Um, it was, I mean, I was so lucky to be with that team and I hold myself to a really high standard as a coach. Um, and I, my assistants did too. And, and nothing was really ever forced on the players. Um, I can't really take credit for the culture that we built because it was kind of just, uh, the way we acted every day. And it's, it's culture. Isn't really something that's sold. Uh, I think it just happens organically and, um, I mean, without those players that we had in place, there wasn't, I mean, you could say there was a buy-in, but it, it, it was more just, they understood what they needed to do. And they understood that, that we really cared about them getting better. Um, and, and the good thing about the AA level is, uh, they're very open to being taught new things and they're not, they haven't really been fed a ton of ideas that they're the greatest or they're going, I mean, a lot of them know they're not, they're not making the NHL. I mean, most not a triple A team are making the NHL. So I think they just wanted to be the best they could on this team um, and make this team the best it could be and make their teammates the best they could be, which, which was really cool to see. And it's, I mean, if you ever have, like, if you're a coach coaching double A, single A, 14 to 16 year olds, whatever, if you're ever thinking if they're going to pick something up, uh, like something higher level that you're trying to explain to them, like, don't even think about that. They'll, they'll figure it out. Like these, the kids can figure stuff out if, if it's taught to them properly. And if you show them that it's going to make them better. Um, and, and along those same lines, I mean, we, we played differently than a lot of different, like most teams at the AA level. I think a lot of coaches at the AA level, just try and keep it simple. Um, don't try and go too overboard with, uh, with different ideas, but that's not really how I coach and, and we challenge them every day. I mean, every practice, we put them in situations to think, um, to try new things. And, and we played kind of the, the modern style, high skill style, which, I mean, all of them picked it up and some of them execute better than others, but as long as their thoughts were correct and you can see them trying what we're saying, um, I mean, it was awesome to see. And it's like, we would allow no rings on the breakout from the defenseman. Like it had to be a pass. You had to find your winger. You had to find your center. You had to skate it out. You had to make a play. Um, and it was just always find better. Like, don't, don't just take the easy way out because um, that's kind of a detriment to your teammates. Like we want to find better. We'll take quality over quantity. And, and like, you're not going to get ever yelled at or singled out as long as the thought process is there and you can see that you're trying something and, and, the habits are there. Um, that's all I care about. I, I, I mean, it's more fun for us as coaches to watch than just to see chip and chase and, and chase it down and let's shoot from the point and get a rebound. Um, and more importantly, it prepares them if they do want to move up because that's the way teams play at the next levels. That's the way it's going in pro. Um, and it just shows them, I mean, on the other side, the person side, I mean, you can think differently. You can try new things. You don't have to just live by the norms. Um, you can question what we're trying to teach you as well and and we'll kind of collaborate and uh, yeah I mean as far as the OMHA championship it was it was pretty surreal to watch uh, because I, I won as when I grew up on the teams I played on like I said and, and it's winning a championship because it's hard to kind of describe like even at the level I won at single A like a lot of people would brush that aside but it, you're part of a team for a long time and it, it when you win and it all just kind of culminates in that final championship like you that kind of sticks with you your whole life so that's kind of what I wanted to build with this team um and the last couple months of the season and playoffs I mean they they played amazing it was I just got to sit back and watch and open the door um it was just a, a well-oiled machine and they're playing for each other and then uh Unfortunately, the season got canceled when we were going into the finals uh, the day before we were supposed to play uh, play Oakville in the finals. So um, it wasn't a normal championship, but uh, I'm glad the OMHA did recognize us as as co-champions with with uh, the Oakville Rangers. And um, we still got to celebrate. They got their rings. Um, they got their red hats. And, and it's something they'll they'll still remember forever, even even if they didn't get to. Uh, have the normal championship celebration. Yeah, for sure. I think it's uh, it's great that they were recognized and, uh, you know, it's an accomplishment nonetheless, even if you didn't get to that final game, just to get to that point. And 
uh, COVID has uh, played mm-hmm. a big part in, in altering a lot of championships this year. So interesting to hear your involvement there. But I like the way that you're talking about the development and as long as the players are, are trying things and the thought processes there. Because I think at the minor hockey level, even at the AAA level, um, you know, team success isn't, you know, you know, every team wants to be good. Every team wants to win. But uh, as a coach and, you know, skills development and things like that is so key at that age. And, um, you know, you see great players on, bat, on you know, teams that didn't perform as well, uh, be very successful just because of the thought process that was given by coaching staffs and things like that. So another great takeaway for coaches. Uh, one more experience that you had that I wanted to talk about that was kind of unique in the modern hockey role was uh, as a competitive program coordinator. Just talk about your time in that position and some of the things that you had to deal with in that role. Yeah, so uh, that's a position I'm in still right now. Um, so it, it kind of just was a role that uh, was kind of created by our new president here in town, Mike McGuire, for our minor hockey association. Association, And it just kind of started last December where I, I kind of knew I wasn't going to coach uh, in Stovall again uh, for the minor hockey team. I was kind of uh, not ready to move on, but I had some doors opening and, and was was – kind of going to take those chances so I kind of just sent our president an email with my experiences when I played when I coached in minor hockey what I thought worked what I thought could change uh, and I was I was <laughs> I was very blunt in, in what I thought uh, and I think he appreciated that and we kind of sat down and discussed things um, and it just kind of morphed into this role uh, which I guess they called yeah competitive program coordinator where I'm now working with uh, eight teams from the eight to 11 year olds and uh, kind of a a coach mentor slash uh, player development um, kind of role where I'm helping the coaches um, and suggesting areas they work on with their team. But I think uh, a lot of the coach mentors and I've had some good ones that I've seen come out, um, but a lot of the guest coaches as well, I think sometimes they just kind of take over the practice. And a lot of times they're stretched really thin. They're, They're working with, I mean, 20, 30 teams. So they're, they're running rink to rink. So I think with my idea with this was I was going to get to know the teams a little better and know the each player better and the coaches better and the staffs better and kind of identify um, what each team needed. Because I think uh, that's one of the most fun parts I find in coaching is, is every team is different and kind of finding what makes them tick and, and the little things you can adjust. Um, so I was going to try and put a different spin, kind of one of my personal spins on it and and work more on that way instead of just kind of showing up to a practice and running drills. Um, With COVID, it's kind of put a wrench in things where we don't really have official teams, um, but I've still been going out with all those teams and and, uh, working on different things. And it's, I mean, there's nothing better than than working with kids. I love going on the ice with them. And my first experience was with I think they were 13 at the time. So now it's eight to 11 year olds. So I've never coached kids this young and it's, it's fun. And it, honestly, it's like, I get better as a coach every time I'm on the ice with them because it's challenging, but their, their energy is infectious. And I mean, like I get ridiculously excited for practice at any level. I don't care if it's like 11 year olds house league, um, but they're super excited. They don't, they don't know that there's a pandemic going on. They're just on the ice having fun. Um, and I'm huge on communication and talking and kind of once you're on the ice, we're talking the whole time. Um, like I'll never stop a conversation. If you're in the corner waiting for a drill, talk to your teammates. Um, and it's, it's hilarious when, what some of the stuff they say uh, when you kind of allow them to do that and don't, don't squash any conversations. And it's, I mean, you have to have a lot of patience, but it's, you got to remember like they're so young, they're still kids, even the kids, I still call them kids that just got drafted to the NHL. Like they're, they're kids. So imagine what eight year olds are. Um, and I mean, I've been explaining a drill and uh, I try not to use the whiteboard at all because they just don't listen. They just want to see someone uh, demonstrate it, but I do that. And then they go to their spots and I look down and my stick's gone. And then you look across the rink and one of the eight year olds is stick handling pucks with my stick. That's three feet too big for him. And like, what are you going to do? Are you going to, you're going to yell at him and kick him off the ice? Like, it's, it's just hilarious and he's having fun. And like, I should have just let him do the drill with a stick that's three feet too big, but um, I, I'm lucky that I get to do that and, and work with kids. And that's definitely making me a better coach as well. Yeah, for sure. I think any time that you get to uh, get more involved in minor hockey, uh, it's great. And 
you know, I've done some skates with, uh, you know, kids in the same age group and, and things like that and work with kids at the midget level. And, uh, you know, they're very different, different challenge with each group, but uh, it's fun nonetheless. So great to hear about that experience. So today you're with the Stouffville Spirit and, and coaching there. Just talk about your experience with that team to date and, uh, you know, some of the tasks associated uh, in that position. Yeah, so, um, I mean, I've always been a huge fan of the Spirit growing up. I was never good enough to ever play for them, so it's kind of cool to be associated with them now. But um, my first kind of experience with them was actually two years ago where uh, I was kind of in between jobs. Uh, I was studying for a financial certificate. Um and Robbie Acton was the head coach at the time who was on that single A team that I grew up uh, playing on. He was on that Czech Republic trip and his, his dad's actually Keith Acton who coached uh, with the Leafs and, and a bunch of other NHL teams for a while. But um, it was kind of just late August in like 2018, I guess it was. And he was at the rink uh, watching a junior C game, uh, the Exbridge Bruins. And uh, I was either there for practice with my minor hockey team, I forget, or I texted him and we kind of met up, but we watched and we talked and he kind of mentioned, like I said, I was kind of in between jobs and just coaching double A and he said, yeah, like if you want to help out, just come out. So the next morning I went to the training camp and uh, talked to the GM who's uh, Kenny Burroughs, who's uh, a really good hockey guy and, and a great guy in Stovall. He's been the GM in Stovall for 25 years, I think since the inception of the team. So, uh, I mean, said, yeah, stick around. Uh, we'll find something for you to do. So I, I kind of just kept showing up and I started um, making game day rosters, just watching practice, uh, talking to Robbie after with, with what I saw. And I just kept showing up every day. Um, and then eventually I, I kind of snuck onto the ice in practice and they let me push pucks around and I didn't do any teaching. I didn't think uh, like that would be appropriate. So I kind of just chatted with the players and started building some relationships and uh, was in the other coaches years when it was appropriate. And like I said, I kept showing up every day and eventually I think they probably felt bad for me that I just kept showing up. So, uh, they let me be, I guess, a quote unquote assistant coach for the last couple of months. Um, and they let me go on the bench, uh, during games for when I wasn't with, uh, my double A team. And, and I mean, it was cool. It was, I've never been that like on the bench at that level. And I'm sure every level you move up, the speed is, is, uh, gets a lot quicker, but the first couple of games, your, your mind's kind of spinning with the speed and you, you catch up to it, but it was, it was definitely an awesome experience. And um, I mean, like I said, eventually they let me on the bench and I helped with the fours and the power play. And I mean, I even drew up a couple of face-off plays that didn't work, um, but it was, it was awesome. And I, and so that was kind of my first experience. Um, I went back to kind of a full-time job the la this last year um, and then realized that coaching is kind of what I want to do. So I left that job and then, um, I was lucky enough that a door opened with them again for this coming season. And uh, I reached out to them and, and they hired me as an assistant coach. And I mean, with my lack of experience, especially at like AAA, I've never coached at AAA. Um, I was really lucky that, that they kind of gave me the opportunity to move up. Like I, I'm confident in my abilities, but it's really hard usually for coaches to move up levels with, unless they know someone or unless um, they've been kind of at the AAA level or that just level lower for a long time. So, I mean, I'm really lucky that Kenny uh, Thane Halliburton who's the assistant GM and Andrew Campoli, who's the head coach kind of gave me this opportunity and, and they're not going to regret it because I'll be the hardest working uh guy there but I mean I, it's definitely not doesn't go past me that I've moved kind of from double A to junior A so um, I think it just kind of goes to show that there are a lot of good minor hockey coaches out there that given the chance probably would do a really good job um, it just is really hard in the hockey world to move up but uh, I mean just kind of throw yourself into where you're at and doors will open um, and just keep talking to people and uh, like I said, I think a, a lot, it's weird how many more people listen to what I have to say now that I kind of have the junior A uh, level beside my name, but I didn't change at all when I had just the double A beside my name. So uh, I wouldn't be too quick to judge with people's titles and where they're coaching at, because there's a lot of smart people out there and 
um, everyone can offer their opinion and uh, yeah, don't level chase and don't, don't just listen to people with that extra A beside their name, because there's a lot of good people out there and a lot of smart people out there. Definitely. There's so many different people in different levels. And, uh, you know, I'm working with AAA team now, and I can see some things there that are relevant in the OHL level. So you, you really do see a number of different things. And uh, I think it's great to stay humble uh, when you do make that jump. And, uh, you know, for you, it was just an opportunity where you went in the rink every day and and eventually when you're in there enough, they're going to give you a title because, you know, that's the way it works at every level. So, yeah. uh, you know, get out there, put yourself out there and, uh, you know, good things will happen. So with Stouffville, you've had the opportunity to see some different things and work with video analytic tools, et cetera. Uh, touch on the process of integrating those and, uh, you know, where it isn't maybe as prominent in minor hockey and then discuss how important you feel it is to, um, you know, look to learn that ability for coaches moving forward. Yeah, so I think it definitely is a skill to be worked on. Um, and I think I'll touch on the video side first, but I think uh, in minor hockey, it's tough because uh, most of the time you're kind of filming it yourself or you're getting a parent to film it. You're taking it home, you're watching it. Uh, like I would just write on a piece of paper the times to stop the video and talk and what I'm going to talk about and stuff like that. But um, I think the main part with the video in minor hockey is uh, – when you're presenting to the team, going over what you're say, you're going to say and how you're going to say and uh, how you think they're going to react. Because uh, if you have a good team, you're, you're going to be trying to promote questions. Um, so when you're going over the video, try and think of what questions will be coming back um, and then maybe have some other clips prepared to kind of answer those questions. So kind of just being over prepared. But we did a little video work uh, in minor hockey, but again, it's hard just because the resources are so thin. I'm sure it's a little different at the AAA level, but um, the kids now are definitely our visual learners. So as long as you can keep it quick, uh, like I wouldn't do anything over three, four minutes, even that's kind of pushing it. Just find clips, have them always be something that they're doing well. Uh, don't show them. I mean, it's not really worth it to show them something they're not doing well other than if it's just a quick fix, show them stuff they're doing well. You can work on the stuff that they're not uh, elsewhere, but it's just kind of that, that positive um, reaffirmation where they see what they're doing well. Uh, they can see with their own two eyes and then they can transfer it back into a game. Uh, analytics wise, we didn't have any at, at the minor hockey level. I think my one uh, assistant coach counted plus minus, but I don't even know if he knew how plus minus works. <laughs> I think he added uh, some pluses on the power play and minuses on uh, penalty kill, but that's a different story. But uh, yeah, we, sh I mean, we track shots and try to do scoring chances and, and it's hard as a head coach in minor hockey because there's so much going on. Uh, I mean, you can go into a game saying, okay, I'm going to try and count uh, like entries today, or I'm going to try and count uh, scoring chances. And in the first five minutes, something happens and you just, you just got to go away from that game plan. So um, we didn't use a ton other than just video, like I said, to kind of, reaffirm the positives, uh, show them uh, what I see. And then I think the main thing too, if you're ever having like an individual video se session with a player, show them a clip of them and don't say anything. And then ask what, what they were thinking during that player. What, what did you see? Or what, like, what could you have done better? Um, because then you, you see their thought process, which is the most important part. And sometimes they just say, I, I don't know what I was thinking. Like, well, okay. So, now we need to get you to actually start thinking and, and realize what you see. Um, and you'll notice a big difference that way. And then uh, at the junior level, it's, it's definitely different. There's access to, um, depending on the team you're with, a lot of different analytics. Uh, video is, is always available. So the pre-scout is definitely big in, in junior. Um, you can watch all teams, power plays, penalty kills, how they play. You can pick out tendencies. I think that's a big role that I'll have as an assistant coach. And uh, I think I'm fortunate with me kind of doing this full-time per se, that I'll have time to do kind of an in-depth pre-scout with, uh, with the team and, and prepare that for my head coach. But pre-scouts are huge. Um, analytics, it's, it's so important. And I think the most important part is just kind of figuring out your team identity and what uh, different metrics you really want to look at for the team. Like it'll probably be different for every team that you're on um, and different ways that you play. Uh, but I also wouldn't just look for things that kind of uh, 
benefit your already pre-existing beliefs. I would look for things like maybe you think you see a trend, find a number that kind of demonstrates that and see if your eyes match the numbers. And if they don't, then go back and see why. But um, there's so many numbers that it can be overwhelming. And I think that's why some coaches steer away from it. But just pick the ones that, that you think help your team specifically. Um, and I think the way it's going uh, and in junior hockey as well, um, there's some that are just so could be so beneficial. Like in minor hockey too, I think passing is, is the most important part in minor hockey. So many teams I see are just uh, struggle with that so much because their practices are just skill-based and they're, they're skating around with pucks and putting them under toys and shooting on the nets. And I watch a whole practice and there's no passes other than from the coach. So like passing percentage in different zones, uh, pass interceptions, stuff like that, I think is so interesting, especially when you can break it down into individual players. Um, and it just keeps getting better every day. I know I, I'm doing some work for Instat, which is an analytics and video company. And some of the metrics that they have is, is pretty incredible, like 50-50 battles. And uh, like I said, all the passing stats in different zones. And it's you can really dive deep into your individual meetings with players. But again, I would be careful with uh, going in with an open mind and not just trying to find stuff that, that reinforces your already existing beliefs. Um, but it's, it's becoming a bigger part of, of hockey and uh, it's just information. I think analytics it, it, for some reason over the last 10 years has become uh, this scary word, but it's information. I mean, if, if you had information available that was going to help you be better at your job, you would probably take it. So it's just a part of uh, the bigger picture, but it's, I find all that stuff fascinating and, and uh, it can keep you humble as a coach because you can see something with your eyes and then you look at the numbers and you're completely off. So uh, it, it's definitely a good, uh, a good piece of the whole puzzle in coaching. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you know, I work with analytics with Sarnia and you know, the, the way I've always approached it, even before that, is just, uh, you know, it's, it's just another opportunity for coaches to see things. And I almost treat a position like that as a coaching position, because at the end of the day, uh, that's the way you got to think. And you're looking for positives and, and things that go against what you're seeing with the eye test and things like that. But uh, like you said, using that in video and uh, it's not always easy with resources. I know at minor hockey, a lot of times it is apparent uh, filming on an iPad or, or something like that. But um, anytime you can try to integrate those, even if it's just minor and, uh, you know, a quick point here and there, you know, players are visual learners and they retain that sometimes a little bit better than other things. It depends on the player, of course, but uh, yeah. a number and, of things to consider. Like you said, um, I know you do a lot of work with video and analytics and you, you said you consider yourself a coach. I mean, those are coaches um, and they're, they're just as important or more important than a lot of other pieces of the organization. And I think a problem is people sometimes get pigeonholed into that video or analytics uh, role and, and some old school coaches don't even call them coaches, but they are coaches and they're, they're presenting you with ideas and they're a big part of the team. Uh, and I think uh, us as a hockey world kind of need to realize that, that they are coaches and they're, they're learning as well. And they're part of the bigger picture. And it's not just kind of a guy that's clipping the video. I mean, they're, they see probably a lot more hockey than you even do as a head coach. So uh, I would definitely value their opinion and, and bounce ideas off of them. Yeah, great point for sure. And uh, fortunate to have had those positive experience to date. Uh, for you, you started a newsletter here recently, and uh, I'm a follower and I'm sure others on the podcast are. So just talk about Caddy's Corner and the thoughts and the process behind the newsletter. So it's it's kind of funny. The, the name of it, Caddy's Corner, is kind of came from uh, – I play a Monday night men's league in the summer at Winchester golf course, which is in Brooklyn. Uh, my friend's a superintendent there and his family owns the course. And there's, there's three holes on the back nine. Uh, I think it's 13, 14, 15 that just absolutely destroy me every time I play there. And uh, my buddies just jokingly started calling it caddy's corner. Uh, Cause that's my nickname. And it would just destroy my round every single time I played there. Um, I think they're going to make a plaque and put it down there somewhere. Um, so I kind of named it that just to play on that. And it's, it's kind of just for, for my own sanity, really. Uh, I'm always thinking about hockey, like I said before, and a lot of times, uh, these thoughts can kind of just bounce around my head for days. Uh, so it's, it gives me a spot where I can kind of put down my thoughts. Um, 
in a manner and then kind of share it with uh with people out there and when the pandemic started i i obviously had a lot of time on my hands and i kind of became more active on twitter with with the hockey side of things and uh posting thoughts and breaking down some video and i like i really enjoyed the discussions that kind of create were created there and and the feedback and it kind of led to more writing um i kind of partnered with jack hand who uh, helped me write an article for his newsletter and that's kind of where i i uh, met you online for the first time where you kind of partnered with him as well. Um, and I, re I really enjoy writing. It's, it's, it's really easy for me when it's something that I'm passionate about. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm really not a good actor. Uh, I, I'm not good at faking things. Uh, I think I'm a pretty genuine, uh, cut and dry black and white person. Uh, so when I'm passionate about what I'm writing about and it's coming from the heart, I can do it easily and I can do it for hours on end. Uh, I sucked in university writing essays because I, I struggled getting my heart into things and I would just try and get it over with. Um, I mean, I'm still not the best writer. I probably have a few warrants out for my arrest from the grammar police, but uh, I'm, I'm working on it and I've gotten some positive feedback so far. And I, I try to just keep it uh, simple for now and then maybe try and dive into some more higher level stuff. But uh, as far as the newsletter came about, I'm, I'm actually part of a an online coaching community that's uh, ran by Tanner uh, Ricklitis, who's a baseball coach in the States. Um, and we're kind of always talking about kind of promoting yourself and creating content and uh, Substack, which is the, the service that I use to send the newsletter out kind of came up and uh, it, it was easy to do. And like I said, it keeps me sane, gives me something to do while we're waiting to kind of get back in the swing of things. And uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of funny how newsletters are popular again, where it's just, it's just sending out an email. Um, I mean, they were kind of popular at the start of the internet, but now everyone seems to be creating one, but uh, I, I just kind of add my thoughts and, and things that coaches, parents uh, and players can take away from the game and um, add to their repertoires. But uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun and, and yeah, I look forward to kind of continuing it. Yeah. And, and I, uh, you know, I, like I said, I've read it and I think others should look to read it as well. And uh, everybody's craving that content right now. And, uh, you know, some areas are further along in the process of getting hockey back than others. And uh, there's different factors, obviously, but, uh, you know, a great way for people to stay on the topic of hockey and learn some new things. So be sure to check that out uh, if you're listening, uh, you know, moving back into player development and some things like that on that topic. Uh, reference your experiences at the AA level and junior A level uh, as a coach and in trying to advance those players, uh, you know, sometimes they're maybe not at that top level that they're looking for, but trying to navigate through the waters. Yeah, and I think that's the key part that you just said, trying to advance players. Um, and I, I call it graduating players. Uh, and it's every coaching resume I see, I think that should almost be added if you're a minor hockey coach with how many players you've graduated. And, and I was lucky in my first year as a head coach, we graduated two players at AAA. Uh, and last year we probably would have done uh, a couple more if there were actually tryouts and teams this year. But um, I think my approach would be the same in, in minor and junior hockey. Uh, and it's kind of like I talked about before, it's developing thinkers for all situations. Um, developing good teammates and, and better people. And I think that's the most important part because I think as a coach, uh, when I'm trying to develop my team and develop the individuals, I always kind of think that I want to develop these players where if they go play for another coach, that coach is going to be impressed with their habits, with how they act. Um, and they'll be able to be put into any situation uh, and perform well. And I think, uh, I think graduating players and developing players needs to be a much bigger focus, especially in minor hockey, uh, and especially when they're young. I mean, it's really frustrating to me to see the hockey coaches that think winning a novice AAA championship is going to advance them in their coaching career. And I was talking to someone the other day, it's, it's kind of strange in the coaching world where if you have a good record, it's kind of assumed that you're a good coach where that's could not be the case. I mean, you could just have a team that's very talented and I mean, anyone could coach them and they would still win. Um, I think it's something I think about often and, and in the pros it's different. I mean, that's a winning business, but in minor and junior, this is a development business. So uh, I mean, you should be judged as a coach on the players you develop. 
and, and the way they play and how they're prepared for different situations, not just uh, like wins and losses, especially under 16 years old. I mean, the, there's so much being taken away from the player's development by some of these coaches just in the, in the matter of, of putting more wins and losses and being higher on my hockey rankings. And it's, it's kind of broken in a sense that I think a lot of coaches think they can use like a 10 year old triple A team as a springboard into their coaching career. But it's like, if I was hiring, I wouldn't be looking at the wins and losses. I'd be asking who developed the best players and, and I'd be watching how they play. And it's, I think that needs to change. I'm not sure how we can do that, but uh, I mean, you can win any way you want in hockey. You can win. And especially at the younger levels, if you play like a highly systematic game and they play like robots and they kind of chip it out, play simple, don't make mistakes you'll probably win more often than not, but you're not teaching them anything. And they're, they're kind of losing years of their development where it should be, the focus should be developing thinkers, like I said, and, and thinking situations and being allowed to make mistakes and, and developing the players that are going to be able to play at the next level and not the players that get to the next level. And then you ask them to play creatively and all they know how to do is, is chip it out and dump it in. And um, I think that, that needs to be more of a focus. And I th think, uh, I think it kind of comes with confidence and just not having an ego as a coach where I think a lot of coaches, especially in minor hockey and junior, it's, it, they kind of steer away from that big mistake. Um, they want their teams to play simple and, and hard and check and stuff like that, because at least they can say they worked hard. Um, but the, the people that are actually watching the hockey, if, if they're someone that knows the game, uh, they would rather see a team, like I said, that's that's developing their hockey IQ, that's thinking the game, that's trying different things. Um, I mean, I think, like I said, the coaches try and steer away from that big mistake. They find it embarrassing if a player tries to do something uh, and the puck goes the other way. They think all the eyes are on them. It's like, I mean, no one really cares about you. You're, you're kind of just there. You're there for the kids. The kids are your boss. Um, and like, I, I almost flipped that on its head and I kind of think it's embarrassing if your teams play too simple uh and that's kind of the approach that i took with our team where we challenge them to to make a play like i said before and, and see new things and sort things out um and we prepared them in practices and in games where you sort things out on your own i mean i i can't stand coaches that yell from the bench across the ice um and they're, they're some of the players especially if they're young will actually turn and look at them during the game and it's like if you're in the real world and you're struggling at your job or you're kind of in a, in a crunch time situation, are you going to have someone yelling at you, telling you what to do? Like, probably not. You're going to have to figure it out on your own. So I think they can, that's something they can learn, especially at a young age, how to figure things out and how to work with their teammates to figure things out. Like I love empowering your kids to, like I said, talk the whole time. And then when they come off, they're talking to each other on the bench to figure something out. I don't even have to tell them that what I saw or what you can correct. Um, so I think that's the big thing. I think, uh, coaches just need to realize that it's not about them. And, and if there's a mistake, like I said before, ask them what they saw, as long as their thoughts were okay. And, and especially like coaching double a, a lot of times the execution is just off where s some of the players are not the best. They're all very good players, but the execution is not junior level. It's not pro level, but a lot of them can think it very well. So if you ask them when they come off, what are you trying to do? They'll probably tell you, what you told like what you're trying to teach them and their thoughts are correct it's just that the execution was kind of off and I don't want to ever stop that because I want them to try it again and, and we can work on the execution that's the easy part but the part of trying to get them thinking the game properly um, is the hardest part and I think like I said before I think if you watch hockey 99% of of the general hockey fans I mean if they see a mistake and it it kills me to watching the NHL. Like I hate talking to people about the Leafs because it's, I mean, the opinions are insane, but if you see a mistake and you see a puck going the other way, 99% of the fans will just immediately attack that player and go to the negative and blah, blah, blah. Where if you're a smarter hockey person, um, a hockey mind, so to say, give your podcast a plug, but um, you'll be able to see what they were trying to do and what they were thinking. Um, and that's more important, like I said, and, but it, it's, it's a very few that kind of see that and realize that, okay, maybe they were trying something that came from the coach and they were thinking and doing something different. 
Um, but it's, it's something, I think my main point is it's something that needs to change at the minor hockey level. I'm not sure how we do it, but there's too many coaches that use these kids as a springboard for their career and to make themselves look good. And it's really, I mean, you could probably find a great coach on the last place team on my hockey rankings because they have to work with players uh, even harder than the, the teams that just have the all-star teams and just have to open the door. So um, I think coaching can change. I think egos have to go away in minor hockey um, and just realize like you're not the star of the show. You're there to develop players. You're there to prepare them for the next level. If you lose a couple games because you were trying something new or you were challenging them, so be it. Like no one will remember that. No one cares. Um, if you want to make this career, you got to do it. You got to have be players first anyways. So if you're doing it for yourself to get the trophies and, and post the my hockey rankings on your Instagram story, then you're not in it for the right reasons anyways, and you're probably not going to make it. Number of great points there. And I think uh, a lot of people will say the same in that uh, when you're looking at players for that next level, it's uh, you want the players to have the developed mindsets because you can teach them to skate, you can teach them to shoot, but at a certain age, you can't teach them to look at the game a different way. So it really is important early on to uh, test kids and, and allow them to try to make those extra plays and develop that hockey IQ because, you know, when you get to that level where you can get a skating coach to work on those things, uh, you know, that's when the players are really going to come together. So uh, I know, you know, for you, it's very much the players. You're looking at developing the players. But for you personally, you know, looking maybe 10 years down the road, uh, I know it's not easy right now, especially with everything that's going on. But uh, where do you hope to be in hockey or what are some of your future aspirations? Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't haven't really looked that far down the road. I'm uh, kind of working day to day by, right now, but I kind of have just made the decision recently um, in the last couple of months to try and make this thing work full time. Uh, so I don't have a ton of plans down the road, I think uh, right now. And I mean, I've gotten this advice from a lot of people, but I'm kind of just, and it's what I did at AA. I'm just kind of be where my feet are and just pour myself into the level that I'm at. Um, that's what I did in AA, probably an insane amount of time and effort put in uh, that a lot of people would probably shake their head at. Uh, that it just took over my life, but I, that's what I wanted to do. And it, it led to success. And I think the, the players uh, appreciated that, but um, I mean, I see myself as a head coach, so I'm just trying to gather uh, as much experience and information as I can right now. And uh, like I said, Andrew Campoli, who's the head coach of the spirit um, has been doing this for a long time. So I look forward to learning from him and uh, I, I'm not really sure. I'm just, taking it day by day, as long as I'm part of a team, um, cause that's the most fun part for me. And that's kind of what's been difficult now without, uh, without the teams and being at the rink with them every day. But as long as I'm part of a team and, and can still kind of affect uh, players and people's lives in a positive way. And uh, I'll make the money work somehow. Uh, I'll put two together and I can find different ways to make money and do different things in hockey, but I just want to try and make a career out of it. And, uh, I want to be a head coach eventually. So whether I have to move down a level in the, in the next couple of years, or if I feel like I've gained enough experience uh, at the OJHL level to, to maybe try and be a head coach there, I'll do that. But uh, I kind of take the, uh, the old Detroit Red Wings approach with, with my coaching and just keep myself in the minors for probably longer than, uh, than expected and just be over-prepared for the next level. Um, but still keeping an eye and, and being fully invested with where you're at. And I think that's, what a lot of coaches struggle with at the minor hockey level and, and especially coaches trying to get into it is they're already thinking um, ahead. And I'm, I'm going to steal this analogy from uh, Spiros Anastas, who I talked to yesterday, who's been on this podcast, but uh, he was talking about a coach mentor that was talking to him uh, kind of about, like I said, be where your feet are and, and uh, focus on the path that you're on. And it's uh, he was at a cottage and, and he was walking to the outhouse and uh, it was pitch black and he had a flashlight. Um, and he's shining the flashlight on the outhouse and he's walking and he, he'll stub his toe and he'll trip and fall. And you, you got to have the flashlight down at your feet and you got to be watching where you're going and you have it down there and you're watching where you're going. You can kind of put it up at the outhouse quickly, take a peek, but you got to have it at your feet. Uh, because if you're shining at the outhouse the whole time, I mean, you're not going to get there. Uh, which I mean, analogy to hockey, if you're 
if you're always looking at the next step, you're not going to do the best job with where you're at. So uh, focus with, with where you're at. And I mean, I'm, I'm really not uh, anxious or anything about where this is going to take me. I think uh, if I treat people the right way and, and uh, I, I mean, I don't really like to talk about myself, but uh, I think if I am around the right people enough and they kind of see how passionate I am and, and what I know, then uh, something will happen. And, and like I said, I'll make it work uh, one way or the other, as long as I'm part of the team, I'm, I'm going to, going to make this my life. Yeah, no. And I, I think that's the way a number of people approach it. And, like you said, there's no place you'd rather be than in the rink a lot of times. So uh, just as long as you stay hungry and, and look to make the, the financials work, uh, you know, hopefully the opportunity will come there to, uh, to really invest in it full time. But uh, like you said, you learn from Spiros and, and we did as well through the podcast and I've talked with him before and, um, you know, there's a lot of different places to learn your newsletter being another one for you personally, what are some of your favorite things to learn from, whether it be books, articles, podcasts, et cetera? Um, I think, especially now you kind of have to be careful with uh, like the amount of content that that's out there and, and not letting it mold uh, like your core beliefs. It's definitely uh, like amazing resources out there, uh, books, podcasts. I think still think the best resource is uh, like just conversations uh, and reaching out to other coaches. And I've been, it's kind of been strangely beneficial this pause for me because a lot of coaches have a lot of time on their hands. So um many have gotten back to me and I've had a lot of really, really good conversations uh, that probably wouldn't be able to happen because we'd be in the swing of things right now. So I think the best uh, way to get better is, is having conversations with, with coaches, building your network, but uh, books, I mean, anything Ryan holiday, I've, I've read his things and I, I'm, these are all the same. Every, every podcast I listen to, it's all the coaches read the same things. Um, my favorite book, definitely is is uh, pound the stone by joshua medcalf that kind of uh it was recommended to me by west wolf of the erie otters and that kind of is my beliefs in development um and treating people right and doing the little things and and having that all add up um I, i'm a big podcast person like i said i listen to this podcast i listen to hockey think tank uh which is tober scott and uh, jeff lavecchio they're really great for for any uh minor hockey parents or players um articles i mean jack han has a good newsletter that's always kind of pushing the thoughts on hockey uh and and anything on twitter really there's there's a lot of good coaches and, and content that comes out of there and discussions there too like if you if you see a thought you can the good thing about twitter is you can reply to it and have a discussion which if you read an article you can't always talk to the author right away um but again i would i would recommend talking to people that's the best uh resource out there and and you learn something from every single coach you talk to, whether it's a, like a house league coach or an NHL coach. And um, if you want to take it seriously and get better, then, then that's definitely the best thing you can do. Yeah, those conversations are very beneficial. And a lot of times it happens with your mentors. And like you said, you learn a lot there. So for you personally, uh, who are some of your mentors and what are the major lessons that they taught you? Um, I mean, coaching wise, I didn't have a ton of mentors in my first uh, three years. Uh, as a coach, just because I, I, again, wasn't sure if I was really going to do this thing full time. Um, but as I kind of progressed, uh, I realized the real importance of those, those mentors. And I mean, uh, my mom and dad have been great mentors my entire life. And I've, I've been through my ups and downs uh, and we have as a family, but like I said, growing up in a, an athletic family and, and sports, they taught me invaluable lessons. Um, as far as coaching goes, uh, I would consider uh, Iller Mamedi a, a mentor. He's he's a big name around here. He helps with a lot of uh, minor hockey associations. He coached uh, Quinton Byfield's York Simcoe minor midget team. Um, and I, he kind of had the same coach mentor role as I am kind of doing now in Stovall. So I've, I've kind of learned from him and bounced ideas off of uh, some decisions on my journey and, and just learned from his passion is incredible and energy is incredible every time he comes to the rink um some mentors i think that uh i kind of hope their relationships continue one main one would be uh wes wolf who i mentioned earlier from erie uh it was kind of a, a six degrees of separation connection there where he went to, to school with my cousin so i kind of got his number a couple months ago and and uh i mean that relationship's kind of growing and he's again been 
invaluable with his uh, advice on on my path and then coaching and I think our thoughts definitely align on how the game is moving um, on the ice and off the ice so uh, he's been really really helpful um, in those conversations and then um, two people around Stovall uh, Graham Wise and Keith Acton who I've uh, been lucky enough both are family friends and I've picked their brains on coaching and and whether I should give this thing a go and Graham, Graham coached. I mean, I think he coached 35 years in youth sports and, and Keith, like I said before, coaching the NHL, but um, both have been really gracious with their time with me. And, and if it was something as simple as teaching me what a left wing lock was, because I did not know what that was, but, um, and then just teaching me what it's going to take and, and their paths. And uh, I mean, they've been at all these different levels. So, picking their brains and uh and having them in my corner is is something that i'm really grateful for yeah it really does just go to show the tremendous amount of people in the industry and you know wes is, is one of those great people that i've had the pleasure of talking with and uh you know the, the names that you mentioned uh, a lot of them i've heard as well so uh, it really is a close-knit community and you can learn so much through just those conversations and like you said it could be something as simple as learning left left wing lock or like things like that. So uh, really good uh, for you personally, if you're looking to give that advice back to someone uh, early in their career, or maybe even you, when you were looking to get into coaching, what is one piece of advice that you would give them in hopes that they would, uh, you know, develop in coaching and hockey operations? Um, I think the main thing, and I said it before is be where your feet are, be put yourself 150% into the level that you're at and don't, worry about where it's going to lead or what you're going to do next because um, your players will see if you're not hundred percent invested in where you're at. And if you're not, then that team probably won't be as successful as it can be. And I mean, you're not going to be able to move up. So um, whether it's single A, AE, double A, it really doesn't matter. Um, go all in on that. And if you want to make it a career, I mean, I'm really not the one to give advice because I'm just starting out, but uh, what I've gathered and what I've learned is if you want to do it, then just do it, jump in, um, with both feet and, and try and make it work. And, uh, I think different people have different X's and O's and know the game differently. And, um, I mean, I pride myself on kind of being a high level thinker of the game, but one thing that everyone can do is, is just treating people the right way. Um, that will never change. And I think even the way the game's moving, um, I think the intangibles and the relationship building within a team and within a coaching staff and an organization is coming more to the forefront. And it's, it's really, really managing people and managing relationships and ingraining that with the X's and O's, um, but learning how to talk, learning how you're talking to people, how to present things, um, finding mentors to learn uh, and, and just have an open mind try and get as much information from people as you can. Um, don't ever give up. If you, if this is what you want to do, uh, just keep going. And I think like when I spoke to, to Keith and Graham before, uh, one thing I said is like, they kind of asked if this is what I want to do. I said, yeah. And like, I just said, I'm going to, I'm kind of just going to speak and will it into exist into existence. And like every time, even the last year and a half, people ask me what I want to do. Like, I want to be a hockey coach. Like, no, seriously. Like if you could do anything, what do you want to do? Like, no, seriously. So I think the more people you tell and, and it helps with your, your self-belief and, and it, it just puts things out in the universe and, and you never know where your next opportunity is going to come from. So if people see that you're passionate and like I said, treat people the right way, uh, hockey is a small world. And I think, uh, I think the real uh, jerks in this game get weeded out and it's if you're going to make it you got to be genuine and authentic and you got to treat people the right way and and you just got to have no ego and realize that you're a very small piece of the puzzle and, and the players are your boss and you're there to get them better and I mean if, if they get better and they're progressing and you treat people right doors will open for you hopefully and and I mean like I said I'm not the best to give advice on this so hopefully doors will open for me in the future but uh I just focus on the little things because that's, that's what we tell our players. So, I mean, I, I got to follow my own advice. Yeah. Follow your own advice and be personable and be humble. And 
at the end of the day, look at the player's best interests, and I'm sure that your own interests will fall in line with that. Uh, Connor, I want to thank you once again for taking some time to join me today, and I wish you all the best moving forward. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, Ryan. All right, take care. I'd like to thank Connor for joining me on the podcast and giving a ton of great information from his experiences to date. I think his story shows that there are hockey minds at all levels, and with drive and determination, you can progress even in a short amount of time. So for showcasing that lesson, I'd like to thank Connor once again. If you would like to get in touch with Connor to discuss his experiences, I encourage you to reach out to him directly or contact hockeyminds at outlook.com and I can help make that connection for you. Next on the podcast, I'll be joined by Nick Tropper, coach at the Ontario Hockey Academy. With a lot of experience, ranging from coaching to scouting and even some behind-the-scenes analysis, there is a lot for listeners to learn from this one, so be sure to listen in on Sunday. Again, I'd like to thank everyone for your support, especially since joining the Hockey Podcast Network, and be sure to give us your feedback so that we can continue to improve the podcast moving forward. As always, stay safe and all the best.